welcome back to Barn Banter with Cowboy Andy, the podcast for kids musicians by a kids musician. Ah, I like to say that, but you know, to be honest with you, um, and I like to be honest with you because, well, what else am I going to be? What am I going to lie to you? Please, <laughs> if you know. Uh, lately, it hasn't really felt much like being a kids musician. Not that the music has changed, but the audience has changed. That is to say, I haven't had a gig in a long time. And I don't personally do uh, the webcasting, as I know a lot of you folks do. I don't do it for a couple reasons. First, I, I, uh, although I, I'm working my way to become a professional musician, I, I don't rely on the income from my children's music to support me or my family. It's not my primary income. And I know for a lot of folks out there, in this industry. It is. It's all you do. And so I made the decision right out of the gate when uh, we all started to quarantine and gigs were getting canceled to uh, to just leave that space open for other folks who maybe needed that opportunity more than me. It did seem to be the great leveling of the playing field as far as being able to reach people across the internet for webcasting. But I just didn't, I didn't think that it would be fair for me to uh, you know, try and get all of my fans to just follow me. So instead, what I've been doing is I've been encouraging uh, my fans, fans of Cowboy Andy and the Salamanders out of Missoula, Montana, CowboyAndy.com, to uh, to go see other people like, you know, Joni Leeds or, or Hopalong Andrew or other folks, uh, uh, Lord Doherty, who are doing daily shows and looking for a way to create revenue through through that mechanism. But... Having said that, I do look forward to a time when hopefully, maybe, we have gigs again. And I'm pretty sure we all have our own idea about when and how that's going to happen. And I'm pretty sure we're all probably pretty wrong about that as well. So what I was thinking we should do is let's talk about where we are, which is, in essence, let's get present. And there's no better person that I know of to talk about being present with then I, and I got to tell, I got to tell you folks, I, I love her. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I love her to smithereens. She's one of my favorite people of all time. Seriously, she is. And I've known her for a darn long time. I've known her for, geez, I'd almost say my entire life. <laughs> just a God's honest truth. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your homes together for my very good friend, and returning guest, Heidi Jeffley. Hello, Cowboy Andy. I'm glad to be back. Okay, okay, wait, wait. I'm going to jump into my own podcast right here for a second. Because, as you know, whenever we have a guest on, I like to play a song from the guest. And Heidi, awesome as she is, isn't a recording artist. Ah, oh, but wait, she has appeared on some songs before. As a matter of fact, Heidi appeared on my album, Put Your Arms in the Air, she uh, she appeared on the song. It was the cover that we did of the E pop classic, "The Passenger," and I was like, "Why why would I not play that?" She's on that track, and and heck, it's my. Wait, I'm gonna throw something down. I'm gonna. That was my pen. It's my podcast. Sometimes I can play my own darn music. Darn it, darn it, darn it all to heck. All right, so here it is, "Passenger," and listen closely. You can hear Heidi. She's in there.
side I see the stars come out of the sky Yeah, they're bright in a hollow sky You know it looks so I stay under glass I look through my window so bright I see the stars come out tonight I see the bright and hollow sky Over the city's ripped back sky
so we are currently speaking via uh, the application Zoom. Do you remember the kids show Zoom? I don't. Don't? It was like an early, like, uh, I don't. yeah, it was, I think it was like a mid seventies. I don't know how long it was on, but it was on for a little bit. And they were like, I don't think they were just Saturday morning, but it was like a kid's educational entertainment show called Zoom. Yeah. I don't remember that one. <laughs> were you a big fan of uh, Mr. Rogers when it was on? Yes. Yes. Liked Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Yeah. Sesame and, Street. Uh, Sesame Street. And um, oh, what was the one with Malfunction Junction? Well, that was Sesame Street, but uh, the electric company. Electric Company was great. There was the other one, though, like, I'm just a bill heading off to Capitol Hill. Oh, what was that? Oh, it was oh, uh, Schoolhouse Rock. Schoolhouse Rock. Schoolhouse Rock. Schoolhouse Rock. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, that yes. was that was fun, too. Yes, I remember those. I was, I, I got to be honest, I didn't at the time, although I have such a f- super affection for Mr. Rogers now, I wasn't a big Mr. Rogers fan when I was little. Um, yeah. And for some reason, I remember I was allowed to watch Sesame Street, but not the electric company, just like when the, the timing of it, I think, maybe because it was on after Sesame Street or was on just at the time of day that it aired. I never really got to watch it as much as I wanted to, but I always thought it was really cool. Yeah, yeah totally cool. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what you been up to? What's new? Well, you know, I'm I'm staying in these days um, just because. Oh. <laughs> just decided to not <laughs> quarantine. Just, oh, really? Oh, well, how <laughs> exciting. And is that like fasting, like intermittent, like <laughs> intermittent fasting? Like I'm going to see what it's like just to not do something I enjoy for a long time. Maybe it'll be good yeah. for me. No? <laughs> you know, I, I've been all right. It's an interesting time. And in my profession as a mental health therapist, it's been interesting to watch the different reactions that people are having to this from the mental health perspective and emotional health and psychological health. And I'm actually getting more clients that are reaching out because they're, I think, you know, one thing I observed is like the first week that we were, you know, kind of ordered to stay shelter in place, to stay home. It was kind of exciting. I don't know if if you felt this, but it was kind of exciting. It was like, oh my gosh, we've got a job to do. We get to stay home and keep keep each other safe, and and the the kids are going to do online school, and I'm going to work from home, and then, you know, I think we just kind of had this powered up feeling. That's how it was for me, anyway. The first week, second week, it was like, okay, yeah, I'm still working at home, and you know, it's fine. And then all of a sudden, it's it's like. Okay, when I, how long do we have to do this? I had a client ask me, how long do we have to be resilient? And I was mm. like, well, you know, um, always. <laughs> I was like, well, you know, that's part, of, that's part of having good mental health is having resilience so that you can get through things when they're thrown at you unexpectedly as this whole pandemic was. But um, there is, I think, a sense because we live our our lives it kind of in sound bites and news is news for a few days and then we're on to the next big thing and this isn't like that this is the big thing and this big thing is really composed of a lot of big pieces you know mm-hmm. people are sick um hospitals are overwhelmed the economy is really being compromised people are are scared they're nervous they might be grieving um children I'm really interested to have the conversation about being a children's musician in this time because 
how are the kids doing? How are the children doing with this? How much Mm -hmm. do they know? How much do we share with them? How much do we protect them from our own fears and where we are with all of this? We can't make promises right now, like, oh, it's all going to be fine. We don't know what that means. We don't know what that looks like. And so we can't make that kind of um, an overwhelming promise to a child because we can't lie to them. This Mm -hmm. is a time for truth and honesty. And so what does that look like? You know, I think we're pulled in a lot of different directions emotionally. I actually had a, was in a a therapist, kind of a self-care, secondary trauma training yesterday. And one of the other therapists in the training it was a virtual training, of course, but she's a good friend of mine. And she said, I feel like I have emotional whiplash right now. And Mm. I thought, yes. What I've, what I've just, what I've come to discover is that everybody is doing therapy in their own way. People Mm -hmm. are finding ways to take care of themselves in as much as they can. They really are. With uh, limited resources and limited options. Not that their options are limited, but this, we've never been here before. Mm-hmm. And so it's all new to new. And that's one of the, mm-hmm. when you look at the um, challenge matrix, new to new is always the hardest. Because, you know, it's like, that's that's when it's the most unstable and the most prone for mistakes. And during this time, yeah, boy, that's a, that's a huge, huge tangent to jump into. <laughs> yeah, maybe then maybe next barn banter. <laughs> next barn banter. Yes. Maybe this so, is all barn banter I, will be moving forward. It's just conversations with Heidi. I would be okay with that probably because I'd be you know, great with there it. There we go. Okay. I have to start paying for it. I was just really I really was interested though in the conversation around being a children's musician and kind of the things that rise up from in that context in this time. So I wanted to, you know, I just want to hear more about that from you. Well, from, okay, so from my side, there is this fun thing about being a children's musician, which is a modern children's musician, I would say, which is the desire to to be honest with the audience and to show the audience respect at all times. So from the, and I, I could talk about the personal side, like how I deal with my kids and communicate with them. That would be one thing. Uh, and I think that that's different for every for every person. From the musician standpoint, I, I see our role, and this is what I've encouraged other kids musicians to do. Our role is to not just put on the happy face and entertain, but to try and be genuine. And as always, meet kids where they're at. So that if you... You know, if you play in hospitals, if you go, you take your guitar into a hospital where there are some really sick kids and you're playing for them, you know better than to sing about, you know, blue skies and playing in parks and, oh, let's go out and do stuff because it's just inappropriate. It's just not fair to to talk to kids about that in that situation because that's not where they are. If in this in this time, I don't... I haven't seen any children's musician, kids musician, talk about the return to normalcy or even the way it was. It's mostly about, you know, most of the most of the musicians who are still engaged are doing webcasting. So they'll do weekly shows or some even are doing daily shows and they'll do them in their pajamas and they'll be like, hey, it's pajama time. And they'll sing songs mm. about pajamas. 
or they'll sing songs about food, or they'll they'll do dance numbers, and some of them are more into the teach and preach, the educational stuff, and they're still doing the alphabet, they're still doing counting songs, they're still doing songs about maps and geo, you know, uh, science and stuff like that. So those topics are still really relevant because that's where kids kids are still, you know, still in that phase of learning ABCs and math and stuff like that. I haven't heard of anybody who's doing shows about can't wait to get back out there type stuff, but there are tons of, of new songs about washing your hands, for instance, and that yeah. sort of thing. So that's, you know, that, that's the timely topic. What I've witnessed mostly, and this is kind of what I wanted to, to chat with you about, our society values art so little when it actually comes to uh, financial support. We're really big on wanting to have all sorts of entertainment at our fingertips at all times. But when it actually comes to the individual creators of that on the community level, I don't really think that we do a good job of supporting musicians in that sense. You have to really, you know, it's like your, it's like your local farmer at the farmer's market. You really have to break a sweat to make a living at this gig. I know for me personally, this season, 2020, was uh, set. I worked really hard on marketing and got just tons of gigs lined up. And this was looking to be the most mm. profitable, high exposure um, season of the now eight and a half years that I've been in this band. Been, I've been managing this band. And uh, it's all just like whoosh, gone from the very first to the very last. Every, every gig is gone. And like I said before... To me, that's really uh, emotionally disappointing. It's not financially crippling for me because this wasn't my primary source of income, although I will miss the revenue. Uh, but I see a lot of people out there who this is a compounding disaster. It isn't just that we have to shelter in place. And it isn't just that you're losing your job um, or you're laid off. This is, for a lot of these uh, people who do what I do in this genre, this is all they had, and there's no plan B for this at all. And so I was hoping we could chat a bit about your experience and and how do you help people through the grieving process and positioning to move forward in such a time of uncertainty? Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> that's yeah. a big question. Well, let me just kind of take a little step back and just respond to a couple things that you talked about earlier. It's interesting to me that you said, you know, there's a lot of songs about wash your hands and you can have a lot of fun with that. I think we've all had about as much fun washing our hands as we can, but true story. You know, for a, a song for a kid, you could have fun with that. But you're also talking about, you know, when do we get back to normal? And again, going back to that that commitment to honesty and being genuine, we don't know the answer to that. So we can't sing songs about that yet. Mm-hmm. You know, those are the songs that I think we sing after it happens and we celebrate that this new shape of normal as it will become, because we don't know what that will be yet. I think that's that's the answer that's honest for children and for each other, of course. But I think there is that piece And I'm hearing it a lot with my clients 
they're grieving the loss of what was normal. And it happened really fast. We didn't have a lot of warning. We didn't really see it coming, you know? And I think there's a part of us that maybe I'm just speaking for me personally, but it's like, I didn't see it coming. And I think, how could I not see this coming? There's kind of a grief in losing the innocence of thinking everything would just be fine forever. And we just keep chugging along, doing what we do. I grieve the loss of that innocence, of that naivety in a way, because that is like a child, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. being able to just trust that, you know, I'm going to get up tomorrow and everything's going to be fine. And I can go grab my little coffee at my favorite coffee shop on the way to work. And I can go visit with my friends in their offices and say hello. And I can meet with my clients face to face. And we're not six feet apart, you know, necessarily we have, we have good bubbles, but I can't do any of that right now. And I really grieve the loss of that. And I, but I'm also, there's this kind of back one step back piece of grief that is, I just didn't know that was, that could happen. So it's kind of a a growing up moment for us, I think, in a way, too. We've crossed a threshold and we don't really know where we are yet. Maybe we're still in the in the threshold. Mm -hmm. So there's some fear involved in that. Another thing that you talked about, I was um, reflecting on was what gives us meaning. And for a children's musician that this is their gig, clearly that probably is gives their life meaning, gives their life maybe sustenance, too, if that's their primary income. Clearly, it gives you great meaning because you have so much joy around what you do. You even came up with a podcast, you know, (laughs) Barnyard Banter, because it's very meaningful work to you. But when we can't do that, how do we shift what gives us meaning? So then we're having an existential conversation, you know, Mm -hmm. about how do we step into this in a way that's still congruent with what gives us meaning, still genuine expression of our values still honest to who we are and who we want to be in the world and still put bread on the table. Uh Uh And I'm sure that is a challenge for a lot of children's musicians who maybe just can't do what they love doing right now. And I think with anything around grief, the first step, and I'm not thinking of it in like the five steps of grieving. I think the first step is kind of acceptance you know, that's usually thought of as the last step of the grieving process. But I think really the first step is we accept the situation. This is what it is, you know, Hmm. sort of, um, we can't talk ourselves out of it. Mm -hmm. So we have a conversation with it. And then we develop a new relationship with what is. And, you know, for me, it's been not being able to be in the presence of my clients and having that real felt experience sitting with them in a hard moment, you know, I'm, I'm doing it electronically and it's not the same. And so I grieve the loss of that. And I have to accept that this is what it is now. And then have a conversation in a new way with this this medium of of contact and engagement. And so maybe thinking of that for a children's music for a children's musician is similar. You know, Mm. how do you still make contact? How do you still have meaning? How do you still remain genuine to the purpose that's so important? even in this time. Hmm. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Well, I, you know what? I don't think that there's any answers to any of this, really. No. I think that it's just no, there isn't. Um, perspective. And how can you expand and refine and create a, a, a healthier perspective around what the experience is? It's what I'm trying to figure out. So in, this, in this very selfish sort of way, I, you know, I think about this podcast 
it seems very trite now because, and it's, it's a, it's a purely situational thing. I have great, I'm, I'm so thankful for the guests that I've had, you know, come aboard and, and talk to me about things, but you know, thinking about it now, but like 80% of what we talked about doesn't apply anymore. How do you get gigs? Well, right now you don't. When will you be able to? We don't know. I know personally that I wouldn't feel comfortable pulling in 20 kids and their families into a small dance room until I knew that they weren't going to get sick because of that event. And I do that because I have compassion for them. I do that because from a marketing and communication standpoint, that's bad business to be creating events where people can be exposed to sickness. I mean, that's just not a good, it's not, that's not a good idea on any level. Mm-hmm. And so, so then it's like, well, geez, I guess we have to wait till this thing burns itself out or we get proper testing or we get a vaccine. And when's that going to be? And they're like, well, maybe a year. Mm-hmm. And like one article I read said concerts, uh, fall of 2021. Don't expect concerts to get back to normal for a year and a half, basically. You know, on the one hand, I'm part of the group that's like, yep, I see that. Uh-huh. That seems like science. Okay. And of course, then there's the other side of me that's like, oh my God, how did this happen? Why are, you know, <laughs> uh, but every time I bring up those arguments, uh, it just goes back to, well, I don't know. And if that's the, uh, the outside window of this thing, uh, what am I going to do between now and then? Uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you back into this podcast is because it is relevant and timely to what's going on right now. How do people deal with the grief? How do people deal with the uh, business decisions that they have to make to continue doing what they're doing when suddenly uh, the revenue stream just dried up? You know, I've had thoughts over the past couple of weeks about like, well, that's it. That's it for the band. I'm done. I'm going to, I mean, there's just no point. You know, we could try and record an album remotely, but if I can't get out and sell it, you know, Spotify is not making me any money. And so I don't really see the win in trying to do that anymore. And can't really ask my bandmates to get together and practice for a bit because that's not healthy. And so I don't see any path forward. I know that that's not the case. We know historically that this is going to resolve. We know historically that we will find a way through this and there will be normal. It won't be the same. It will be a different variation of normal. But what would you say to someone like me in this situation to help me navigate the between now and then when I don't know what the then is? So what I've been saying, kind of my mantra to all of my clients and to myself is use the pause. Life just pushed the pause button for us. What are we going to do with that? How often are we gifted a pause? I mean, we can look at it like that. It's got lots of, there's lots of downsides, some of them devastating. So not to minimize that. And there are some potential benefits to taking a break. You know, when you think about music, what makes music is the pause between the notes, the space between the notes, right? Mm-hmm. 
if you just had no, 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 it would just be noise. But it's the pause, it's the space between the notes that actually creates the music. So how do we utilize this pause? We didn't ask for it. We didn't prepare for it. We weren't expecting it. We were surprised by it. All of that. Okay. And we get to decide what to do with it for the most part. Obviously, people get sick and there's, you know, that's tragic. And that that's a different kind of piece of the conversation. Mm-hmm. As long as we are healthy, as long as we are able to continue doing the things that we enjoy, or we have the ability to utilize this time. Viktor Frankl said, you know, he wrote Man's Search for Meaning after being in uh, Nazi concentration camps for three years. And he came out of that with this idea that his quote, I think, technically is the last of human freedoms is to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. That's a tall order, and it's extremely empowering if we decide who are we going to be once we hit the play button again. Mm-hmm. What are the things that you want to, you've wanted to do that you just say, I don't have enough time for? Well, now you got time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't like the fact that I'm told I can't go outside or do things. You know, I might not want to normally do things. But I'm being told I can't. And it's like, well, I don't like that. Okay, so I have to shift my attitude about that. I understand why. I have to just say, okay, yeah, I don't like it. And I'm going to do what is the right thing to keep myself and other people safe and, you know, support my community the best way I can and not get too down in the mouth about it. Although there are days when it takes a toll on me. Mm-hmm. And I hear the stories of how it's taking a toll on others, and that's hard. And we're all in this together, kind of alone. Maybe a better way to say it is we're all alone in this together. <laughs> yes. It is singular in the fact that we're all experiencing the same thing. So when I go to talk to somebody about it, how you doing? Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm doing. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing. It isn't a unique, it feels like it should be. It's so, it's so very specific and novel. It feels <laughs> like we should be able to say, oh my God, I'm going through this thing. It's, um, it's so weird. And, and for the other person to be like, oh, tell me about it. What is, what, what is it? As opposed to, yeah, we're all going through it in real time together without the ability to be together. It's like traveling in space. It's very strange. So I I wanted to think about that phrase you used a little bit ago, no path forward. You know, I I often think about, I do a lot of work with people who have just experienced acute trauma, which I think we are experiencing trauma, acute trauma right now, as some of us individually, some as, you know, collectively. But if you were to break your arm, the first step in the protocol would be to stabilize and immobilize your arm. Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like that's the pause. It's not time to do a lot of movement. It's not time to use that broken arm. You know, it's like stabilize, immobilize, let it rest, let it strengthen, let it heal. And when it's time, you'll start moving it and start exercising it and then start strengthening it and then start using it. And then you'll be healed. It'll be fine. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I think about that sometimes with this situation, 
is this a time, you know, like I have clients that are saying, oh my gosh, I can't stop eating. All mm-hmm. I want to do is eat and watch, binge watch Netflix. <laughs> well, I don't recommend that necessarily, mm-hmm. but you know, um, maybe it's okay every once in a while to binge in Netflix and, you know, I don't know. I don't, again, I don't have the answers either. I want people to be authentic. I want them to like through who they are when they come out the other end of this mm-hmm. kind of meat grinder we're in right now. I also think it's a brilliant time to create the future, even though we don't know what that looks like. We can't stop dreaming. We can't stop being passionate about what we create, what's in us to create, and we can't let it take that away from us. So there's there's just I feel like I'm kind of talking in circles because there are just so many pieces to this that don't quite fit together yet. We don't have all the puzzle pieces. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of unknowns. I think we get to decide how we move through this in the best way we can. I've had a couple observations about this. The first one is the Douglas Adams uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy mm-hmm. book with printed on in bold letters on the front, don't panic. Okay, that's a good place to start. For me, that's a good place to start, not to freak out. I'm going to freak out. Try not to freak out too much. Breathe every once in a while and work through just being where it is. And I've thought about this as um, uh, as a guitarist. I thought, well, what if what, what if one day I was out and I cut off my little finger on accident? How would that be? Because things would never be the same. I would go through the process of missing that. And then at some point, I'd want to pick up my guitar and keep playing. Now, if I lose my little finger, it doesn't mean that I'm never going to play guitar again. It means I'm never going to be able to play guitar like I used to. So I'm going to have to relearn. And in the process of relearning, I may learn new chords. I may learn a different way to play that may be just as satisfying as the old way. It doesn't mean that I never get to do it again. It's just I'm never going to do it in the same way that I was doing it before. Because something has changed. Maybe it's that naivete. Maybe it's that loss of innocence. Maybe it's that trust that I had in the universe, that this is just how things were. Maybe it is uh, toughening up the hide a little bit and getting that maturity to say, this is all within the realm of possibility now. So I need to take that into account. Yeah, and I, I agree. I think definitely this is a moment of transformation for all of us and individually and collectively. When we we do have an opportunity to grow up in ways that, you know, our generation hasn't been, eh, it depends on who we're talking to, what generation that is. But, you know, I mean, we've, we've faced a lot of things as a, a world, but this is big, you mm-hmm. know, this is a game changer for sure. And speaking of change, I was thinking about another element of this We've all been required to make changes in our day-to-day life and the way we do business or don't do business or engage with people or don't engage with people and so many other fronts. But change is, it's a tricky thing. You know, people, like people seek therapy because they want to make a change because there's a problem and they, you know, they're ready to tackle it and move forward and do what they need to do to make some changes. And of course, small changes can make a big difference over time. 
And we weren't ready for this, you know, change. It's, there's this whole stage of change concept where we're ready for change and then we step into it. And so many fronts, it's almost like it can be pretty overwhelming. I know people are experiencing quite a bit of anxiety. And I think it's because not only is it the healthcare concern, but it's we're not working. The financial concerns are very real. Can we get unemployment? When is the stimulus check coming in? You know, how does this impact my children? How does this, you know, impact the big things I had planned for my life? You know, people are are not having big weddings, you know, or they're not able to have funeral services for loved ones. That's, I mean, there's the joyful celebrations and the sorrowful celebration or sorrowful experiences that are being compromised by this. And, and then just the unknowns, the unnerving unknowns, I call them, of not knowing how long do we have to experience the pause, whether it's something we want to utilize in a positive way. You know, the reality is we don't know, and that can be very stress-inducing and scary. Mm-hmm. What would you um, what do you suggest for people to do? Like, what would be the most healthful approach for somebody who's forward-facing, who's who's talking to parents and kids and trying to do their thing? What would uh, what do you think would be a, a a healthful way forward as far as that goes for people? I think daily rituals are really important. I tell my clients to get a schedule. If you're working at home, if you're working from home, or you're you're on doing school online at home. I work with college students a lot, and now they're doing all of their their schooling online, and it's a, a real shift for them. But you know, the first thing we talk about is get a schedule some structure to hold yourself in your day in place. Hmm. That seems to really help because what happens is the day evaporates. They sleep till noon. They're in their pajamas till four. And then why bother getting dressed at four? And then they maybe tackle their homework at 10 and then they don't go to bed till two. And, you know, they just, there's no meaning. No, there's no purpose in the day. It's just, the days just evaporate. They don't remember what day it is and pretend it's, a work day. Pretend it's not pretend it's a work day. If you're going to work, even if you're working from home, it still is a work day, <laughs> but treat it as if you're going to walk out the door and commute to work in whatever way you do that, you know, so that you're still taking all of that seriously. That still holds you in place. That's your, that's your meaningful work. And that mm-hmm. we know that that's really important in psychological and emotional health. I think rituals. So that ritual of go to bed at the same time, get up at the same time, Get, get dressed and ready as if you're walking out the door to go to work. You might just walk to your couch and turn on the laptop or whatever. Take it seriously. And then having some kind of morning grounding activity is really great. Like something that just, you just notice and kind of anchor your day with a word or stepping outside for a minute. You know, the natural world isn't toxic. <laughs> mm-hmm. So getting outside and taking a deep breath, deep breath of fresh air or you know, wiggling your toes in the grass or whatever that is, you know, in your environment that you can connect with the natural world. That's very grounding. And of course, breathing is always grounding. You can just take that deep breath into your tummy and let it just wash through your body and let it go. And it can make a big difference in clarity in your brain and in your mind. 
tracking your kind of tracking your body's regulatory process throughout the day, knowing if you're kind of hyper aroused, you know, right now, I think we are, when I talked earlier about that emotional whiplash, we kind of go from hyper arousal to hypo arousal where we're, we're overwhelmed and we just kind of shut down. And then we read a news article or we watch a, a YouTube news video or whatever, and we're back up to being worried. And really we want to find that sweet spot in the middle where we have just this optimum arousal, where we have tolerance, we have, we know we can get through this, we have resilience, we just continue to breathe. You know, when we're in the hyper arousal, we're in that fight or flight state, and Mm -hmm. that's not good for us. That's cortisol and stress hormones are going through our bodies. That's not healthy. When we're in the hypo arousal, we're kind of frozen, we collapse, we, we don't have a lot of motivation or affect, our emotions are kind of flat. So we really want to find that sweet spot in the middle Mm -hmm. and just checking in with ourselves throughout the day. Like, where am I right now? How am I doing? We don't do that when we're super busy. We have, again, to use that pause, we have an opportunity to really get to know ourselves and just say, how am I doing right now? And then just notice and be interested in what what you hear yourself say. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm okay. I'm okay right now. I'm actually okay. Or who I'm really stressed out or I don't even know how I feel and just pay attention to the answer. And then I think at the end of the day, whether it's the end of our work day, because the lines are really blurred right now between work and home and kids are doing school and, you know, you can answer an email at eight o'clock at night or two in the morning, Mm -hmm. you know, and maybe that would be normal to do anyway, even if you were going to the office at work or whatever, but you know, it's kind of okay to bracket the work day, the school day, and then you have your evening, your morning, you know, for the things that you would do if it were before the pandemic, you know, you're not going to say normal. (laughs) It's like, you're, you're going to say normal, uh, what you would do normally, but it's like, uh, there's that, there's that thing about normal has become kind of a dangerous word because was it normal what we were doing? Uh, Maybe. Uh, Is it going to ever be that way again? No, probably not. Normal doesn't make any sense now. And maybe it never did. You know, I think it's a wonderful opportunity to say what's normal anyway. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The other thing, I think it's important to, we have to be able to find, still find joy, still laugh, still have meaning. You know, we talk, there's a lot out there now about self-care and making sure we're, you know, what we're doing to take care of ourselves during all of this. Finding humor, not taking ourselves too seriously, because this is serious enough. Hmm. (laughs) And some days we have to take ourselves seriously, of course, depending on the situation. Um, But also, how do we hold the space for each other when, you know, maybe... I'm doing fine, but maybe my partner's falling apart. So how do I just allow a space to be made for that so that that honors the experience of the other in the moment as well? How do we do that for ourselves? Hold the space for ourselves. If I'm falling apart and I feel like I shouldn't be, how am I able to extend some compassion to myself and just say, yeah, I'm really scared and I I don't know what to do and I don't like this. And I just have to sit with that for a bit, you know? rather than trying to run away from it through 
lots of negative coping skills, just lean into it and have a conversation with it, engage with it. It actually resolves it much quicker hmm. than if I try and resist. It's all good stuff. It is. It's a conversation that we could keep having, and maybe we should. Maybe we should keep having this conversation every once in a while. Or, well, of course, we should keep having this conversation. As this thing evolves, and uh, just, you know, to put uh, a sense of perspective on this, we're having this conversation middle of April. We've been doing this six weeks, something like that. I've been doing it for, I I don't even know how long I've been doing this quarantine long time since uh beginning of first week in march yeah something like that since the second week in march it's when we started to kind of be like things are getting weird let's hole up for a while so we've been you know only five weeks doesn't seem like that long when you look at like a year and a half potential (laughs) oh good god yeah we're gonna have to talk a lot more (laughs) (laughs) more banter is required. Thank you so much for coming on and uh, for sharing your wisdom and your perspective as always. And yeah, you know, maybe once a month, we'll just have to have you on and we'll say, well, here we are now. Now, what do you think would be the healthful thing? Knowing, knowing that this crowd that I'm talking to are looking for the best ofs, the best of a life, the best of a performance, the best for kids, the best of a creative outlet. Sounds great. I would love it. And if anyone has questions or thoughts they want to share their experiences reach out you know to cowboy andy and and we can maybe take have some thoughts and ideas about different topics to to banter about in the future absolutely i can totally hook anybody up with resources if they want to talk more at this stuff so yeah for sure thanks cowboy andy absolutely until next time can't tell you how fantastic it is to have such a really good friend who listens, talks, and shares. Heidi Jeff Lee is just an amazing human being. I am so grateful that she took time out of her schedule, time not away from her clients, but between clients to uh, chat with us about this. I'm definitely going to have her on again because as uh, we said through this whole episode, things are changing, things are evolving. At some point, we're going to have to have more, we're going to make more decisions. We're going to have bigger things to think, well, not bigger things to think about. I don't know if there's anything bigger than what we can think about right now. We're going to have other things to think about and different ways to address them, to stay healthy and to stay helpful to each other as a community and as as creative artists. And so blah, blah, blah. I'm still blah, 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 blah. I could just blah, blah, blah all day. So sorry about that. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to Barn Banter with Cowboy Andy. If you would like resources, if you would like suggestions, if you would like to talk more about what you're going through, maybe some things that you've discovered have, that have helped you. I would so love to hear about that. And I would so love to share your thoughts with uh, you know everybody who listens to this podcast or not share your thoughts. If you would rather not have your thoughts shared, but if you just want to talk about it, reach out to me. I'm totally all about that. Totally about the community that we have. And um, oh, look, here comes the music again. Finally. <laughs> all right. So uh, if you want to talk about something other than mental health, you can talk about that too. We can talk about guitar strings. We can talk about bongos. I don't know anything about bongos, but I do know something. La, la, la.
you guys know that she's my sister, right? Heidi? Heidi's my older sister? Yeah, it's a true story. She's my older sister. Way older. So much older. So old.